Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. sensitive to what he's doing right now. Holy Spirit, we want to flow with you. I pray you make Jesus real to us. Whatever our upbringing, whatever theology we have around him, however we feel we've known him, we've met him, our experiences, what the word of God says, God, let us not get trapped in a box. Let us not get bound to the ways or words of man. But we want to be an intimate, close communion and union with the Son of God. I can feel that He's here this morning. I pray is. We open our Bibles as we feed on your word that you would touch hearts in such a real way today. We repent of sin. We say anything that would hinder your flow. Touch it, cleanse it with your mercy. And let the refreshing of the spirit touch your people today. For those that need healing in their body, bring healing. For those that have a tormented mind or an unsettled spirit, bring peace like a river. For those that are in a drought, bring the rain. For those that are starving and need nourishment, feed them with the bread of life. It's in moments like this you can do miracles, Holy Spirit. Break down walls where bitterness has torn up, where unforgiveness has raised a stronghold. God, we want to be open, sensitive, pliable, moldable to the potter's touch this morning. Chisel anger, anxiety, frustration, hurt, pain, anguish chisel it off of us we want to be like Jesus we want to unite to his cross to his ways to his word In Jesus name we pray everybody said amen well you can be seated and just please stay attentive and focused if the spirit of God begins to move in your heart and you know, it's always my prayer is that we were listening to a song that we not have just Sunday morning faith, but we have, it translates to Monday, to Tuesday, Wednesday, that if it's just a Sunday morning faith, faith that it can look a lot like empty praise, the song says. And I don't want your praise to be empty. I don't want your cup to be empty. Can we just thank the worship team too? Thank you so much these past few weeks for flowing. Kelsey, thank you for just dropping the mic and allowing God to touch you. That's what it's all about. We're not here to perform. We're here to move his heart. And as his heart is moved, your heart be moved. Um, you know, I was thinking about David. I've been reading on him. In 2 Samuel 24, it says that you know, this was after he had sinned with Bathsheba, and it says that after that, the Lord was angry with him, and he said, go take the census. Go count the people. You want to do it your way? You want to make it about the people? You want to make it 
you know, about um, numbers and all of these things, that he was moving away from the heart of God and toward pleasing man or pleasing people. And he said, just go take the census. And I never want us to be a church that moves from the heart of God to appease a person or to appease a crowd or appease people. But we want to honor and love his heart. And the biggest thing I've seen is I've just taken every Sunday in stride is if I can just get into the presence of God, it's amazing how the petty things begin to not really matter anymore. It's amazing how maybe the strife in a relationship or um, you know, maybe you're working through a conflict that you begin to be filled with wisdom and life and love. Because if we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in love, not just those that love us, love our enemies, we've got to spend time with him because that only is deposited in time. Remember in our message on the oil, how do we get the oil? It's not just someone laying hands on you, it's purchased in time. And we have churches, we have people, seasons of our lives where we don't have any oil, therefore we have nothing to give out, therefore we're just dry and we give a foothold to the enemy because we're not guarding that place, that time, that secret place with him. And I want you to get in your mind today of Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is that he is alive and well, and he longs for you to know him and for you to be close with him. And we will never stop pursuing him until the day we close our eyes and then we go to be with him. It should be a, such a natural transition that you literally, at your moment of death, you close your eyes and you wake up and you're in his presence. That's how peaceful and beautiful and easy of a transition it should be. But I think we make it so hard. Life is hard, I get it. We have suffering, we have pain, we have loss, we have life, we have kids, we have marriage, all of these things. But God gives us even marriage to refine us and to make us more like him because it's a pressure point a lot of the times. And then when those pressure points come out and I respond a certain way or maybe there's anger or something from my past comes up, guess what? That's a moment I can bring it at the feet of Jesus and he can heal those areas how God uses each and every one of us. That's why we can't get mad at people, learn from people. There's been so many times I've learned from a critic or I've learned from a, a, an awkward situation or a moment when someone was not responding in love. It's an opportunity to then respond in love in that moment. I'm, you can learn that when one party isn't, but guess what? You get to respond in love. There's your test. We don't like those tests, but guess what? Those are usually the pressure points those are when we're able to see what's in us. You know, we talked of last week of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha, Martha was worried and troubled about many things. But Mary chose the one thing that was needed. She sat at his feet. Again, this isn't against I. I never have to serve or get to work on something, but it's the principle of I have to sit with him and not just run myself ragged all the time. I should sit and then serve. I should be in his presence and then go. That's why at the first day of the week on Sunday, we sit with him here together, and then we go into the world. We go into our homes. We've sat with him. It's a part of our faith. But then you have to sit with him Monday morning, and then you got to sit with him Tuesday morning. And I'm telling you, if you build a consistency of sitting with him, your day and your schedule and your routine will be filled with such oil, you can almost handle just about anything because you've got direction from him, because you've spent affection with him. And so let's not be like David, who turns as a leader, makes it about the people. That's what I'm saying too about this building project is I literally want to sit back figuratively. Obviously, it's going to take work and it's going to take planning, but I want to see him build the house, him fill the house, him bring the oil, and we experience a miracle in that. We're not going to make it about money, and we're not going to make it about this building campaign. I've seen it, I've been around it, and it's always disgusted me. Now, I'm not saying you can't just walk into a project and you not have any resources or anything, but there is a certain place when God's hand is on it, he will begin to provide 
miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. He'll use you to be a part of the miracle. He'll use me to be a part of the miracle. And that's honestly where the joy is, to build his house. Just like as we build, we are his temple. That this is a sacred place, but we just don't become his temple overnight. We're constantly allowing the spirit of God to build his temple within us for his glory to dwell and, and to rest. But it comes at sitting at his feet. I'm saying I'm excited as a church what he's doing because I believe this isn't just another building to add more seats, to get more people in, to then for me to get under a grind that I can't sustain and wear and pressure myself out serving everybody's needs and those in places of leadership serving more needs, but there's no oil to do it. If the oil's there, you can do it and it not feel like work. I'm telling you, that's what I want to camp out for God to do. I mean, you see it with kids. You go in with raising babies. You can't do it in your own strength. You'll putter out and wear out quicker than anything. You can't love somebody else in your own strength. It'll wear you out. It has to be connected to the vine. He's got to prune us. He's got to flow through us. You know, I, I want to talk about walking with God, rather walking with Jesus today, and what a walk looks like. And please understand, walking with God isn't cardio. Though some of us get our best time with God walking and doing cardio, right? You throw your headphones in, you listen to Pastor Garrett's message for the third time while you're walking, and you just, you have a, a time and a chair and a place and a seat and a room carved out where you're praying with him, you're getting to know him, that in your walk with Jesus, it is not a sprint, it truly is a walk. And a lot of the times you walk around the mountain several times, or you walk through the forest, you walk, sometimes you got to swim, sometimes you got to crawl, sometimes you've got to uh, walk limped, whatever it is, you just got to keep walking. And with Jesus, he gives us the grace and the strength to keep walking with him. We see this all over scripture. I've always been inspired by Enoch because it says that he walked with God and pleased God and God took him. It was his walk that touched and pleased the heart of God. Can we say that about ourselves your private life, your secret place, if you have one, if you don't have one, again, no shame. I want you to say to fall in love with him and out of that, you can't wait to spend time with him, not it's just a discipline, routine, regiment thing you do. Now, there's times and seasons you're not gonna feel it all the time, but you've gotta be in a place, you're gonna walk with him, you've gotta spend time with him, you gotta spend time at his feet. And can we say that being a successful church is having a walk with God? not having seats filled, not having all of these extremities, all of these, um, all of these numbers and, and metrics met. But can we say that, can we be a church that sees success as walking with Jesus, spending time with him? Now, those are things you usually can't measure, right? I can't measure that. I don't know your personal walk. I don't know all the details. But I know if we create a place for him, he will come, he will meet with us, he will encourage us. He will lift our spirits and he will, his presence, his glory will show up and the weight will be there to say, I want nothing but him. And I'm thankful because of leaders and growing up in this church that it always put a premium on the presence of God. That we aren't gonna do it unless we have God's presence here. If the Holy Spirit is not here, what are we doing? Right? We can be another church. I'm not saying that you know, there's the functions we care for you from the womb to the tomb. There's things in the church we always do. I'll be at your funeral, I'll be at your wedding, and I'll love you through tough, hard times. But at the same time, if the piece of the oil is not there, we are missing a dimension of who God is. We're missing his presence, we're missing his spirit. It's like talking about somebody that you really don't know and that you've not ever seen or ever experienced. A lot of people have this relationship with Jesus that it's something they've heard or something their mom has said or they've been a spectator, but they've never encountered him. See, there's an encounter that we should all have with Jesus in the present, in the here and now. And it's not just when you came to saving faith, you should be encountering him daily. You should be getting to know him deeper daily. It should be a walk with him daily. Just like your body needs exercise. If I just went to the gym which I haven't been in a long time. I lift my children, that's what I do. Um, 
and I haven't prepared my muscles. Actually, I'm experiencing that. I brought a chair up here because I think I might have a hernia from lifting something, um, something too heavy, and it's making me a little nauseated, a little weak. So if you see me sit down, I might be falling out in the spirit, but I also might be just sitting down and resting for a second. Um, but we've got to, we can't just rush all headfirst into it. There is a process in his presence. And it's not saying we know exactly what to do in his presence when he touches us or when he comes or when he, he says, I want to give you direction. But where I'm getting at today is if we can be walking with him, that is a successful Christian. That is a Christian that loves Jesus, that knows his word, and that is prioritizing and keeping first things first. Walking with him looks like this. It's proximity. It's intimacy. It's dependency. It's trusting in his lordship. It's a closeness with him. It's knowing his rhythms. It's knowing his touch. It's knowing his voice. That's a place I want to be. I want to know his voice. I want to know his touch. I want to be in sync with him. And I want to value that place with him. You know, there's moments we do feel a holy anticipation. And this is kind of where we've been in the church. There's been excitement and anticipation that God's doing something here. Not just externally, though he is, but also internally. Because a relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, deals with the interior of your heart and your life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You've got to allow him to deal in the deepest recesses of who you are. And so... There's these anticipated moments where we get excited and sometimes we run. We see this in the Bible where in the book of Acts, Philip, the eunuch, runs to the chariot to deliver the gospel to those in Ethiopia. He didn't walk, he ran. Because sometimes when the Holy Spirit says, now's the time, you've got to run. Because you've walked, now you can run. He experienced God. He walked with him. And when it's time to then step up the pace or bring up the heat, you can then run and be sustained because you've walked. But many of us, we don't walk, and then all of a sudden we want to run. We want to lift something too heavy that we've not prepared for, and something happens. So it's knowing his touch, his rhythm. It's walking with him. I like this too. As many times when we're looking for direction from God, he is looking for affection. He loves when we come to him, God, what should I do next? What does the next part of my life look like? What's the next chapter? But here's the beauty. If you come to him in adoration and affection, direction will be a byproduct of that. Do you just go to Jesus to get what you need, or do you go to actually love him, to spend time with him, to adore him, to sit at his feet? And it's in those points of his presence that he will give you direction, he will lead you, he will guide you, but many times we just treat Jesus like he's a, a GPS, right? We punch in what we need and get me there. But he's saying, if you spend time in my presence, you'll get that, but you'll get so much more. You'll get an oil. You'll get a bread. You'll get a water that will never leave you malnourished, that will never leave you dry. The Lord's heart is for us to walk with him. You know, you look in the Garden of Eden. It says in Genesis 3, 8 that, uh, when they had sinned and they had went and hid themselves, Adam and Eve, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. Imagine hearing him walking to you. And he was walking in the garden and in the cool of the day, and it says Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. There's this lie if you've sinned, if you have been too broken, too messed up, the enemy will, this is the first lie he told, and it's the lie he will tell again and again and again and again, is when you mess up, go and hide from his presence. Don't run to his presence. But here's the beauty of the gospel. Adam didn't show up to where he was going to be, but guess who did? God comes to them as they're hiding. God still comes to them. This is the beauty of the gospel, that in our sin, in our brokenness, in the place in the mar of the image of God that sin has called the presence of God always comes to us. And if you've been told a gospel that says you've got to be scared of God, he is, you're a sinner in the hands of an angry God all the time, his wrath is always coming after you, you better show up to church so you don't get smit, you've heard a wrong gospel. I'm telling you, 
the true gospel is one of healing. It is one of salvaic healing work. It is a gospel that says, for God so loved the world, he did not hate the world, but he came and he saved us in our sins. God, the presence of God comes to them in their sin. And it's not of a tone of, where are you? What have you done? He comes to them and says, where are you? I feel my heart broke. You've sinned. And by asking Adam the questions as you read in verse 9 and verse 10, he's giving them a moment to repent. Actually hearing the sound of God walking is a prefigurement of one day Christ who will come into a garden. And we will not just hear more than his feet, but we will see his nail-pierced hands. We will see his crown-strucken skull. Even in the beginning when sin was committed, we start to see the person of Christ revealed. It's amazing. You look into the, the history of, and, and the teaching and the early writings of what is taking place here. It's wonderful. You know, I always think of, too, because we live in a world where there's so many different doctrines, there's so many different teachings. We live in a world of, of since the apostles, that the end of the age has started, right? That we, we're living in this in-between phase of where we're longing and yearning for Jesus to come again. And he will come again. And you better be ready as a bride to receive your king. This is why we gather. This is why we worship, because we are to actually be anticipating his return. This is what a quiet place does. It keeps us focused on what we're to be focused on, which is his return, living missionally minded for him in the present. But if you always want to see in a world that carries a spirit of antichrist or a, a message or a creed or a motto, is it's not someone so evil and so blatantly deceptive. It's somebody who claims to know Jesus, but they are disconnected from his words. So they claim to know a Jesus, but they are disconnected from what his word actually says. Which is why it's so, it's a jungle out there. Everything you read, everything you listen to, nuances from this take on the gospel, that take on the gospel, you've got to know his word because people will claim to know Jesus be disconnected from his word. That's why you have to know his word because then you can discern that which is him and that which is not. And I don't want anyone to be deceived. It says even the very elect would be deceived. We're not going to be a church that's deceived. We're going to know the word of God. We're going to know the true gospel and be able to proclaim it with authority. Has the gospel changed your life? Gospel is good news. Do you, do you see the gospel, do you see Jesus as good news or just a bloody sacrifice that atoned for your sin? I'm going to be doing a gospel, very clear, concise presentation in this series so you know the gospel. And maybe you're going to hear it in a fuller, more beautiful way than your sin just be atoned for because it's, yes, he does atone for our sin, but what does he save us into? He saves us into a life of communion with him. That's a very important. He just doesn't cover your sins, though he does, but he saves you into a life of communion, getting to walk with him, know him, worship him, become like him. And in a lot of modern understanding of the gospel, it's fire insurance and it's a ticket you get. It's not a life you are saved into of communion, of knowing Jesus, of being in union with him and actually becoming like him and dwelled with his spirit. It is the most amazing, thrilling, wonderful, exciting ride you will experience. And you get to see your life transformed into the image and likeness of God. I pray you hear me. Are you, are you following me this morning? That there's something much heavier when you encounter him than just a sacrifice that was made for you. Something much weightier, full of goodness and glory in his presence that changes your life in the here and now. So let's not claim to know him, but be disconnected from him. You know, that's what I'm thankful for is this, even this kid's curriculum we're doing on Superbook, that kids are going to get to actually know the word of God. And if kids will know the word of God and not just be a Bible story, but they actually get biblical truth and worldview, then they're going to be able to stand the against the wickedness 
and the fiery darts of the enemy, that it's not going to be some story that happened long ago, but it is biblical truth for today, that they're going to be able to stand and be a generation who stands confidently on God's word. I believe that this is, we're upping the heat and upping the ante. Your kids are going to come and they're going to be praying for you before you pray for them. That's what I'm believing for. They're going to obey so quickly, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be running to church 20 minutes early because you can't wait to get them in the kids' ministry. I can believe for it. Amen. So we see this in Luke chapter 11 because walking with God We've got to understand of how we connect with God. The gospel is not a gospel of now we're just to pray, but prayer is how we commune and we connect with God. Could anyone go a little deeper in your prayer life? Would you love to learn to be better at praying? I think praying can be confusing for a lot of us. If I were to bring you up here and say, pray what's on your heart, a lot of you would freak out. Some of you would be like, I'm ready. But in the world of being a charismatic of praying on your heart, we've got to be careful and we've got to sober in a, a little bit and we've got to say making sure what I'm praying is bound to the word of God, is scripture. You look at the early church. You look at the earliest writing, which is known as the diadec. It was the oral tradition of the apostles when they first started church gatherings. You can Google it. It's awesome. The diadec. And you will see what was foundational and formational that really permeates from Acts 2.42 of what their gatherings were to look like. That communion, amazingly, was the seat and the summit of what their gathering moved into, surrounded by the body and blood of Christ. It was not a preacher in a pulpit that you look to all the time. It, it was leading that preacher, that pastor, that apostle then, should lead away from them and look to the body and blood of Jesus because that's where the nourishment is found. I can't give you anything. I can only hand down what's been given to me and the authority as pastor and shepherd that I have. If you're looking for me to give you something, it's gonna be flawed and perfect and probably opinionated. So I bound myself as I preach to you to God's word and say, look to something higher and greater than what I can give you, but what he can and what's found at the cross of Jesus, that we're to be nourished and fed and remember what he's done for us with the body and blood of Jesus, how we're to gather together in his presence. So praying, we should live a lifestyle of prayer. And I don't want to go with a traditional walkthrough of what prayer is. I've taught on those things. I can give you five steps to pray better, but I want you to see the, the heart of prayer and go deeper in your prayer life. Because if you don't know how to pray, you can't connect with God. Sometimes prayer can simply look like just saying Jesus. That's a great place to start. Just fall to your knees and say, Jesus, speak to me. Open the word of God. Pray Psalms 23. Pray the Lord's Prayer. We're given these examples and models, and it's always best. That's what I love about the Psalms, is you can pray the Psalms. You can pray what is already revealed in Scripture of what God's heart is. And as you pray the Psalms and what David's heart was for God and what is divinely inspired from God, guess what? His heart becomes your heart. A transfer begins to happen because you begin to pray the powerful, unstoppable Word of God. I would encourage you today that you begin praying Scripture. That is the best place to start. And then as you start praying Scripture, then God begins to bring your family to your heart. He begins to bring your nation, the nation to your heart. He begins to bring those that are lost, your coworkers to your heart. And you begin to pray as you've given room for the Holy Spirit. But start off with praying the scripture because you can never go wrong when you pray what is already revealed and what God's heart already is and will always be. You know, I love this in Luke Chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, the one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. 
So much is happening here. And this is leading into the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to get into the Lord's Prayer, but I want to see verse 1 and verse 2 so you catch what is taking place. What's happening here is the disciples are seeing the prayer life of Jesus, and Jesus' prayer life is provoking them. They're seeing the way Jesus is praying and saying, you've got to tell me more. I've got to know more. They want to go deeper. And when you think about this, is they've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen Jesus have such wisdom and square up to the Pharisees with such accuracy that he would shut even the Pharisees' mouth up because of his wisdom and knowledge. So they're spectators of seeing Jesus do these amazing miracles, all these amazing things. What happens? They don't ask him, aren't provoked, teach us healing. Teach us how to pray for healing. They don't say, teach us how to have more wisdom. They are provoked by his prayer life. Teach us how to pray, how to commune, because Jesus, we know in Scripture, only did that which his father's, father did. He was about his father's business. He never was disconnected from the will of his father. So I can tell you there was powerful prayer meetings of Jesus and his father. The Spirit of God, they would sense and feel, and they'd say, I've got to know how to tap into that power source. They were provoked by his prayer life. And what I'm here to say today is you've got to have a prayer life, or if you've walked away from a prayer life, it's time to begin praying again, praying that which is important to the heart of God. Whether it's five minutes in the morning or 15 minutes, you've got to work that muscle and begin to grow in your prayer life because that's how you commune with God in the secret place. You know, I find it amazing too, I, I heard this, is that Jesus never preaches or teaches a message on healing. You know why? Because he is healing. See, so many times we are looking for answers of what is the five-step formula for healing or what is the environment I need to be in to see prodigals come home when the formula of Jesus is you've got to look to him in affection and adoration, and if you make him supreme and him first place, then as a byproduct, he is healing. He is redemption. He does reconcile. So as you know him more in a prayer life, you will then see his gifts. You will then see these sides of his and dimensions of his personality and who he is empowered by the Holy Spirit come alive in you. But we look to the side, we say, okay, Jesus, he paid, he died on the cross, I got that down, now teach me how to walk in healing. When we should never stop growing in our affection for Jesus. Stop honoring him, glorifying him, worshiping him, and as we keep him, seek first his kingdom and all of his ways, then you'll see a deposit of mercy when you need it, grace when you need it, love when you need it, because he's first because he's your source, because you're abiding and remaining in him. You know, when you think of this too, Pilate asked the question at the Passion, as he's standing trial, he asks, what is truth? Jesus stays silent. You know why? Because there's no better way to answer what truth is than you staring at truth itself. A lot of times, Jesus never had to say a word. There was always so much of a deeper understanding happening when you read these encounters of when people were encountering Jesus. And that's what, as we move forward, as we grow to church, I am not, wrote this down, I'm not interested in a technique to tell us what's going on. I'm not interested in a method or a model. I just want him to be known. And I want him to literally come into our services and begin to heal. It says Jesus is like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can sure feel the wind. Think if Jesus begins to show up. And I believe that I don't even have to lay hands on you, but you can be healed right in your seat. You can experience his power right in your seat. There can be goosebumps that run up and down your spine and say, I probably need to write that down. I probably need to walk in that this week or pray through that this week. I believe that even there's traumatic pain in your past that can come to the surface and you literally sense his cleansing, redeeming blood that comes over you, his presence that washes you clean, and you literally experience freedom as you're sitting here. This is the kind of church I want to be, and this is what I'm striving for. I want his presence and his oil. And that's what I'm saying. It's not just me. It's us together 
hungering for his presence, thirsting for who he is. If we hunger and thirst for him, we will be filled. If you come through the door of the church and your goal is, I want to meet with Jesus today, I guarantee it. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. Every time you seek him, you will find him. But a lot of us, we come in more excited about a donut than Jesus. Said every pastor, right? Don't get me wrong, I love our donut, I eat them. But you gotta hear the point. Is we gotta, this has to be a sacred time. This has to be a time that is unlike any other time that you are coming into the house of God. You are coming to show him reverence because he's here. Because he wants to touch you. If you really believed he was here, how would you act? If he was sitting next to you, what would your posture be? That's how I want to begin to think more deeply on and to trust him in. Where is the allure of the church? You know, our lives should have an allure to them because Jesus is so manifest in our walk, because we're walking with him. People should see him just like Jesus himself didn't have to say a word because he carried he was the truth. I want to drip this oil with such tenderness that my heart and my life have a fragrance to it. What's your fragrance? It's better than whatever Johnny Depp's selling, right? You go into the fragrance store, it hits you, whatever. There's a better fragrance that exists. When you get around Jesus, a fragrance gets put on your life. And people sense and smell something that they've never sensed and smelled before because it's him. This is how beautiful it is. Our life should allure people. It should provoke people to more hunger and more knowledge of who he is and what he's doing. That we be gentle to his presence. You know, I think about, I think about my journey to where I'm at. I think about the journey of my children, is that's my first ministry, that I will never put ministry, I will never put my children on the altar of ministry. I will never lose my kids over reaching somebody else's. Now, hear my heart in this. I believe if there's oil, you never have to come to that crossroad. So you see so many pastor's kids, their kids are crazy. Their kids have such issues because Everybody else's kids were being ministered, got all of dad's time, got all of mom's time, but their kids never got dad or mom's time. You know, the reason I'm standing here today is because my grandmother and my parents, they guarded the secret place of our home. They never brought issues and stress of when you're working through something as a church because guess what? As a church, we have issues. Everyone say amen. But that wasn't my perception and my perspective. I had youth leaders that loved Jesus and kept him first, who kept his presence first and cared about us enough to say there is more. God loves you. There is a presence that is so available. All I'm saying is you look on the landscape of the church and no one is perfect. Everyone has their lane and their call. But I want to be a church that is so arrested by the presence of God that is so committed to knowing the word of God in its right understanding and translation and theology, though it's found imperfectly because life is imperfect, but that the stride and the strive be there to know him in his fullness and to know his presence. See, David, as he was called, brought out from the shepherd's field, anointed, went back into the shepherd's field. He then just didn't get, he then just did not get a primed, glossy seat to sit in and wait for the time to roll. He had to go fight his own lions. He had to go fight his own bears. And a lot of the times, hear this, parents, I had to fight my own lions and my own bears. Your kids, though we want them to succeed in everything they touch and have a trophy if they get fifth place, they've got to go out and fight their own lions and their own bears and seek and find God for themselves. Sometimes the best way we learn is failure. But guess what? Just like Adam and Eve failed, the presence of God comes to them in their failure, not to shame them, but to restore them. 
but to teach them through it. So that's where we have to be. We can't just let it go, but we've got to understand there's God's working much greater. Don't get in the middle of what God's trying to do. I don't know why I'm saying that, but that's probably for somebody today. So we see this prayer life. We see Psalms 109, 1 through 4. I want you to see this. It says, do not keep silent. This is against false accusations here. It says, do not keep silent, O God of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers. Hear this, though. But I what? I give myself to prayer. You actually read this in the Hebrew, and it says that I myself have become prayer. That's the closeness of the relationship we're to have with prayer. So in all of this, as ugly as life can get, the accusations can fly. There has to be this closeness in this understanding of I give myself to prayer. Or if you would help me close. I want you to see this powerful truth. Luke 11, 2. So we read Luke 11, 1. Teach us how to pray. Provoke us to a prayer life. So he said to this, when you pray, comma, then you say. When you pray, then you say. Then it goes into the Lord's Prayer. What this is teaching us here is you are already praying before you say anything. We could go really deep with this right now. But there is a prayer life found in the presence of the Holy Spirit of where you are praying before you even say a word. When you pray, comma, so you're praying, then you say. You see, a lot of the times we think prayer is this magic formula or we have to stir up prayer energy or we have to get this perfect environment or this perfect atmosphere. Prayer is something so much deeper because Romans 8.26 says this. Oh, this is powerful. It says, likewise, the Spirit, He helps us in our what? In our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray. Two things are happening here. When we need help and when we're weak, it says there's someone who comes to help us and is actually already praying for us, and that's the Spirit. So we need help. We're weak, says the Spirit is praying for us as we ought. This is something much deeper than just praying in tongues, though it is. It says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You ever been weak? You ever been not able to have, feel like you've failed or you've sustained or you've, you've left your quiet place and you've not heard from him? You've been in a place of, of even Jesus in the garden. Remember the story. When he's sweating blood, he asks his disciples, can you pray? He goes and he's praying. He's praying and connecting so deeply with his father saying, if this is your will, I'll do it, but... If there's a way, let the cup pass. He walks back to his closest disciples, closest apostles. What happens? They fall asleep. They're sleeping. Jesus is about to enter into his darkest hour. And his disciples are sleeping. They could not pray for an hour. Jesus teaches us something there. You can go and read it. I think we have it, Matthew 26, verse 41. It says, he said, watch and pray lest you enter in temptation. But look what it says. But the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you've been weak in prayer, congratulations. You're in a good place. You're weak. You need the Holy Spirit to pray correctly, to pray the word, to pray deeper, to embody prayer. There's something much deeper the spirit of God wants to do in us and connect us into the two greatest intercessors, Jesus and the Spirit, guess what? They are interceding day and night for us. It's a great truth. It's a great promise. What I'm asking you today is where you've been weak 
in your walk with God, where you have failed, Romans 8 reminds us again that if you need help and if you're weak, the Spirit is available to be praying on your behalf, to engage you in a prayer life that touches the heart of God, to fill you with the gift of prayer, to fill you with the gift of tongues where you begin to pray the perfect will of God. You know, many people find tongues, maybe not in a church service, but you're in a quiet place and his presence comes on you so strong. You begin to yield your tongue. You begin to yield your voice as you're just praying, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you. And out of your belly, you begin to fill rivers of living water and you just let it go. You let it go. I'm telling you, as you get in a quiet place, God can do the best work on your life, more than he can do in a service. I pray every time you come in here, you are provoked to run to your quiet place. My job is to provoke you, to get you excited, but also to get you to think soberly. Let me use my mind, not just feel for God. Let me think about this for a minute. What is God saying? What is he doing? 1 Corinthians 6, 17, Paul tells us this. He says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. The best way to illustrate this is if I were to have an empty glass and two bottles of water. If I was in DCA Chapel, this is what I would do for our our K through 5th graders, K through 8th graders rather. To have an empty glass and I would pour one bottle, that is our spirit, our soul, and I would fill it halfway up. It'd be clear water, it'd be a clear glass. And then I would take another bottle of water that represents the Holy Spirit and I would fill that, the rest of what's remaining in the glass. And you would see, after I was done, you would see one glass filled with water. And as you stare at it, you would never be able to find where our spirit starts and ends and where his spirit starts and ends because now we are joined one in spirit. This is good news. And in being joined in one spirit, it's not just a legal contract you have with Jesus. This is a marriage that has taken place. That's why he even gives us marriage to say, you are now one in spirit. Take care of her body as you would your body and vice versa. That this is a picture of a marriage with Jesus. We are one in spirit with him. And if we are one in spirit with him, that should get you excited because the possibilities are endless of what he can do and say and speak. And Peter needed something more in the garden as they fell asleep this is good news for us today. And he did all of this to fill us with himself. He is the high priest interceding for us. And I pray today that we would yield into the activity of what he's already doing. You don't need to start something new or reinvent something. He already is praying. You just have to yield your heart into what he's praying what he's speaking, and that's the place of communion he begins to fill you. I'm telling you, this is a Jesus who wants to meet with you, who longs to meet with you, who comes to you in your sin, and he wants to fill you with himself. That's how much he loves you. He wants to marry you. He wants to be that close with you. If you close your eyes, I want to pray for you. I want us just to prepare our hearts to receive the body and blood. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just whisper? Can you say, thank you, Jesus? Bless your name. We worship you today. We want to be overwhelmed by you. We want to know you. We want to be intoxicated with your presence. Your presence is so real tangible, it's life-changing. Only one thing is needed, and we are sitting at your feet today. As we prepare for his body and for his blood, there's a song I asked Bree to do, and it's the song of when his presence come, it's like a glory And when his glory comes into a room, it's a weight. And that weight begins to press upon you, and it begins to push anything out that's not of him. It begins to push fear out and anxiety out. It even, 
we know the scripture that this perfect love, this weight of love can cast out fear. I'm believing is we take a moment and we just adore him as we look to him, as we focus on him. I want you to put that picture on the screen for a second, Caitlin. This is your God and this is your King. You can open your eyes. I want you just to focus on Jesus for a moment. Again, if we will spend time in affection and in adoration, he'll meet with us. We'll sense and know his love. We'll be drawn deeper. He'll draw us into communion. And if any point during this song, if you say, I need to be refreshed. I'm so dry. I've been doing it in my own strength. I want you to come to this altar and be refreshed and kneel before his presence and allow the glory of his presence to fill you and to refresh you. Holy Spirit is not weird. Holy Spirit doesn't make you do things that are outside of you all the time. He simply reveals Jesus to you and makes you more like Jesus. If you see Jesus, then you know the Holy Spirit because Jesus, Holy, the Holy Spirit never contradicts who Jesus is. So I want you to get any scarecrows out of your mind of what may or may not happen, and I want you just to come with an open heart and say, I want to know your presence. I want to know your glory. Jesus died, was buried rose again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, is praying for us right now, sent his Holy Spirit, said, it is better that I go so the one, the comforter, can come. Believe you're going to meet with your comforter today. Jesus, we focus on you. We love you. We, your temple, we give you reverence today. Let us not miss what you're about to do. Let us respond in faith. And as we respond in faith to this altar, or as you speak to us where we're sitting, that Jesus would become real, we would have an encounter with him. You might be moved to tears. You might just begin as that tear rolls down your eye. That you would be filled with such love and reminded and remember what he's done for you, what he's currently doing for you. He's praying for you and that he loves you. To sense his presence, as you, if you need his presence, I want you to respond in faith and just kneel at the altar today as we worship him. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.